year on December 2nd, millions across the seven Emirates marked the day the UAE became a country. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm James Haynes-Young, and this week we're going to do something a bit different. Regular listeners will know that on Beyond the Headlines, we tried to break down some of the most pressing issues from across the region and beyond. In the last few months, we've discussed protests in Sudan, Algeria, Iraq, Lebanon and Hong Kong. We've tackled environmental issues, from India's choking smog to whether carbon-capturing rocks in Oman can help avert climate change. The United Kingdom, where I'm from, abolished national service in 1960, and like many of my contemporaries, I have never spent time in the armed forces. But today, we'll hear a conversation. A conversation between two of my colleagues at The National about their experience that for millions around the world is an integral part of being a citizen of their country. While around 26 nations have some form of national service, and millions of mostly men around the world take part every year, this week's Beyond the Headlines isn't aiming to understand the issues at stake or weigh up the pros and cons. Instead, Faisal Sulla and Daniel Lee, two men in their 20s from very different parts of the world, will reflect on their time as conscripts, their fears, the lessons they learned, and what they missed most while serving. Their stories may be far from unique, but this is a personal conversation. Their own accounts of their time in the armies of the UAE and South Korea. I was very curious when, because when they when they started the military service here, they they cited the South Korean one as being uh, an really? example to hold up to. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you about what do you know about the history of military service in your country? Korean military service is actually, I think it came after the Korean War, and technically, because um, the Korean War isn't over, it's just there was an agreement that they would stop. The fighting, but the war isn't over, mm-hmm. and so technically we're still in a in a time of war, mm-hmm. and so the logic was we need to have a a force ready, ready to go, and so men are drafted. I and I'm curious about how like um the UAE's cases and because our com- our enemy is actually like the North Koreans, and that's the right. idea. Right. But for the UAE, yeah. So it's it's there to withstand any threat mm-hmm. that could arise from the region with the fact that we are a uh, a smaller country um, in a region where there's conflict all around us. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to be able to rely on ourselves as a country to withstand any any kind of threat. I mean, the people that I've met in the army, I mean, we're all just kids, you know, like we're 20, 21, 22 None of us really thought, I think, or at least the people that I met, none of us thought that we were actual soldiers mm-hmm. per se. And that's that's the funny thing because um, we're just there to essentially fulfill our requirements. And so I, I was just wondering if like that's something that, that goes on in the minds of soldiers there. I mean, ultimately, we were never referred to strictly as being soldiers. Mm-hmm. We always are referred to as being military service conscripts. Right. So there's there's a differentiation between an a soldier who was enlisted or enlisted himself into the army, and us who were there for a specific amount of time to serve 
uh, in our military service and then finish. But we, we had gone through enough of the training, enough of the sort of the, the psychological fortitude to start believing that we could be in the same level. Really? Mm. Because you are doing more or less everything that a soldier has to learn. Right. Everything that a soldier has to go through in their training period. The only difference to us is that we were doing it for the knowledge and they were doing it for a career. Is is there an idea that it's that that one year of service will be kind of not fun or maybe a little gritty? Before you go in, before you have any idea of what's going on, you look at it and you you absolutely think fear, right? You right. you have no idea what's going to happen to you. Right. You know from films and TV shows and yeah. you know newsreels what these soldiers have to go through to train. Right. But you don't know exactly what goes on day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, because you just have this very large idea mm-hmm. of of a boot camp or a training, you know, uh, experience. So yes, you are a hundred percent afraid. Mm-hmm. But part of it as well is knowing that as hard as it's going to get, A, it's going to finish, it's not forever, mm-hmm. and B, it's going to be good for you. But let me ask you, how did, how did you feel before you started? Yeah, definitely there was an aspect of, of fear. And um, I guess the whole discourse around it is that uh, you're going to be like in 20 month, 21 months of like indentured servitude or that's the conception of it because nobody wants to go and be like isolated from society and, and be away and not be able to, to pursue the things you want to pursue. So I guess there is this idea of, oh, you're going away now and you're going to be here for like, be there for, for two years, close to two years. And so there was this fear and obviously there's, it's a whole nother system. Well, I, it's very, in a very general sense, it was just fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. not knowing what type of hardships you're going to go through, what type of people mm-hmm. you're going to go through with them. Um, you just not, the fact that you have no idea what the place looks like right. makes you a little bit afraid because your brain then mm-hmm. presents the worst example of these things, all of them. Mm-hmm. There, your brain leads you to believe that it's going to be a lot tougher than it is. You're going to be surrounded by people that hate you. You're going to be surrounded by, you know, all sorts of harsh environments that it's just going to make it harder and harder and harder. So the fear comes from the fear of the unknown. Mm. And, and frankly speaking, it dissipates by the hour while you're there the first day. Only because you start to realize, okay, these are just people like me. They're afraid to. Mm. You know, they, they also have, um, you know, things they would rather do than this, but they're here too. You know, and you go to the to the barracks or whatever it is, and you see the surroundings. And okay, this is just a bed. This is a closet. This is you know where I put my clothes. And you just kind of start to digest it slowly. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, there was this thing they 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 uh, spoke about a lot during the first period. Was they in Arabic they called it the shock sadma, mm-hmm. which which is sort of like as soon as you get there. Because of the shock of everything, you kind of go into like zombie mode. Right. And you you don't exactly feel every single thing that happens, 
but you're accepting it because you've gone into that shock mode, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I'll do this and I'll do that. Okay, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it's also new to you, you're not fully absorbing it as much as possible, but slowly but surely, day by day, it becomes more digestible, Right. you know? Let me, let me ask you, uh, being in um, a situation where there is possible threat right. from your, your um, neighbors in the north, Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we're seeing a lot of the news now, you know, Kim Jong-un and Trump and, and all the mil, uh, nuclear de-escalation and all this stuff. Right. In the unlikely event of a war, mm-hmm. how would you feel? How would you react to knowing that, okay, you've been called up and this is happening? Um, I think the fear would engulf me first. Mm. Um. And the fact is, like, once we're out of the military, like, we slowly forget the things that we learned mm-hmm. through, all, through our training. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the body kicks in and instead of the brain reacting, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not like this instinctual mm-hmm. combat instinct that goes on. So for us, like, the, just like the, the people who have done, like, national service, like, I, don't, I don't know how effective they would be. But of course, there are like the other population in the military that are like doing it for as a profession. Yeah. And yeah, we're kind of counting on them. Right. As well as the U.S. The well, base in Korea, in Korea. Who isn't? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I don't want to make Korea look bad, but um, that's my honest thoughts. But you do, you do trust in your military, of course. Yeah. And... We you, trust in America as well. Well, <laughs> we primarily in your military, though. Um, yes. Okay. Yes. There we go. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I would feel. I, I feel like there would be a sense of like, okay, that all happened for a reason and time to right. implement, right? Right. But I also understand that we won't be relied on Mm-hmm. as much as the professionals. Right, right. Ultimately, it is it is on them. We're just there for support. True. Whenever needed, we would be there. So I am not as scared, let's say, from that specific unlikely situation uh, only because I understand that we're there mm-hmm. to fill up the gaps where needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And ultimately, it's a defensive force, right? It's, mm. a, it's a force of defense where the whole point is to be on the, on the ground in the homeland trying to defend it rather than facing the eyes of death, right? Yeah. And did you ever feel like it was like you wanted or you were, you were left feeling that you wanted more or like, for instance, like a freedom... To eat whenever you want or like, or like go, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's normal. Uh, yeah. w- once you're, once you're told you can't do something, you want to do it more. Right. right. You, once you've, once that freedom has been taken away from you, 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 yeah. you desperately want Definitely. it back. And when we, uh, when we left for the weekend, uh, a lot of times, um, 
when we left the 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 uh, the base where we were training, on the way uh, back home, we would stop off at the petrol station and we would, I mean, load up on snacks and Pepsi and all the stuff because we didn't have it right. for that long. And I'm saying that long. That's six days, but because it wasn't there at all. Yeah. You felt like you wanted it desperately. Definitely. Desperately. And we, I mean, I'm talking about just a, a, a 45 minute drive home. We would destroy the bag. I mean, there'd be nothing left. That's Chocolate, so ice cream, chips, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a small thing. But you feel like you've earned it after that point when you have it. Right, right. It, 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 had never, it had never tasted sweeter. <laughs> I mean... You could you could uh, give me the best drink in the world, the best food, the best whatever it is. Nothing tasted better than Coke, Coca Cola after a week of not having it. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, I can relate. It's can amazing. Relate. It's amazing how how much better that experience is made just from the fact that you were told you could not have it. Yeah, I I have a funny story about about food. Um, so when we were in the training boot camps before we were assigned to our posts, yeah, we would be given snacks. Like there was even less freedom on like snacks and eating. So practically they would, they would give us like a snack every, every other day or something like that. And they would be like candy bars or like cookies. And so it means so much to you. And then what I would do is I would hoard them in my, in my small cabinet <laughs> just to just to have that feeling of fulfillment and that there was a choice for me. There was an option. And keeping food in your cabinet was, was, um, it was against the rules. But I did it anyways. And uh, yeah, I would keep an inventory and checklist of all the things that I had, like, a, like two chocolate bars and then three cookies and one can of would you, Pocari Would you ever uh, you, trade them with, with other people or, or use it sort of as cur- currency? Yeah, 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 I would, I would. And then... Yeah, and then some days I would check my inventory and I would be missing some things. <laughs> and then I would freak out. And then that's when you start looking at people around you with like different... Who can I trust? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it feels like, yeah, you get really paranoid. I mean, I, I read this quote that deep inside everyone wants to be controlled, but we just don't admit it. Mm. And it's funny because when we were in that base, when we were in the military, like... Everyone wanted to leave. Everyone wanted, you know, the freedom to eat whenever they wanted. And they were like whining about it so much. But then, you know, once in a while we would, we would talk about how much better food tasted in, in, now that we were in the base and now that things were restricted. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny how it doesn't mean to you that much. When, once you get discharged, I mean. Uh, let's sort of veer away from food yeah, yeah. for a second. <laughs> it's getting uh, we, we are both film fans. I know this about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're part of that experience, there's not much space for film and entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the most strictest, you know, phase of, of the service. But how did you, as someone who was used to consuming, mm-hmm. you know, media... Um, and and loving it and give giving a lot of your time to it suddenly detached from it. I mean, uh, in our communal living spaces and barracks, like we had TVs, but uh, was was that the case for you? No, you guys no, didn't I, have TVs. In 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 the in the 
uh, in the boot camp stage, mm. there was oh. absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, in the boot camp stage. There's yeah, but that's what I'm talking about now that mm-hmm. is the boot camp stage because mm-hmm. I imagine that was for at least a decent amount of time. Uh, we don't have to go into like this. a month, I think. Okay, so yeah. that's still a, yeah, yeah. a long time right, to, right. to be away completely, yeah. you know. But how did you cope for that? Did you, did you miss it? Did you think about it? Did you yeah. come up with ideas? You um, know, what was, what was your thinking? I mean, I did realize like how much like a visual stimulus like television or like media like that was. And, and you do miss, miss stuff like that. And you don't remember like, like the first time I hold my, held my uh, smartphone or like my iPhone after that boot camp, like it felt so weird in my hand, mm-hmm. like in the images like showing, like it, it, it just felt really awkward. But um, I guess during that period of time, I kept myself entertained by uh, writing, my, writing in my journal and essentially, like, the funny thing is, like, I've never been talented or, like, in, in drawing, but, but I kept, like, drawing things and mm-hmm. sketching in my notebook, like, just scenes of there. And it actually felt fun because <laughs> there wasn't, like, a comparable experience, mm-hmm. like, 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 watching TV or anything. Like, like, sketching was the only, as visual as it got. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like... Um, you're, right, you're right about sort of it fe- feeling weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning, because I remember um, initially we were we were at camp for the longest period. It was right. about two and a half weeks mm-hmm. before we were let out again, and that was the longest amount of time I think I was away from my phone and from TV and from any 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 entertainment. Yeah. And when I went back home, I was uh, chilling with a friend of mine, and uh, the movie Wreck It Ralph was on TV, oh. and. For some reason, I was completely consumed by it. I had seen this movie before, but every single movement, every color, every every joke, it was all amazing. And it was like watching, it was like someone watching, you know, a movie for the first time. I mean, it's not an exaggeration. It felt like I was f- taking in every single color, you know, every, yeah, it, really it, it just felt like such a, a feast, you know. Mm-hmm. We were talking about food earlier, but now it's sort of like it's 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 mental rather than you know, right? Uh, like something you can actually ingest, but it's it's something for your brain, and it felt and, and looked amazing and looked beautiful. <laughs> um, I don't know it, it because of that disconnect, uh-huh. but once you're, you 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 t- you take those things in uh, portions like we were talking about with food earlier, they become a lot more enjoyable. Definitely, you yeah. know. And even like music, like, oh yeah, it has so much rhythm. <laughs> oh yeah, there's so much texture. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were we were uh, we we used to do this thing when we marched is when we would sort of say right, chants right. or marching chants yeah, we yeah, called yeah. them. Um, so we weren't that far away from sort of musical output because we had that constantly every day. But obviously, you miss. You miss all the all the stuff you love to hear, you know. Yeah, yeah, like hip hop, like rap. <laughs> like you bring up hip hop, and this is something I wanted to ask you. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, because it's sort of a mandatory conscription, mm-hmm. it applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. And something that we see a lot in the news is is K-pop artists mm-hmm. ending up in military service, yeah, right? Yeah. 
So when when I was uh, at camp, we actually had some celebrities. Oh, we right. had a singer. We had someone who was an actor, and um, a couple of VIPs. You know, people known in society. And to us, it felt a lot better knowing this applied to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is that there was there were no exceptions. Whether you're you're you know from a middle right, class right. family, whether you're rich, whether you worked in a very important job, this applied to everyone, and made us feel good to know that we weren't sort of targeted or we weren't sort of chosen based on anything other than the fact that you are from this country. Right. So when we saw them, that felt great. Did you? How did it feel for for people in Korea to see celebrities in in the military service? And did you have? Did you see any in your time? Well. I didn't see any. Um, I didn't see any celebrities, because uh, yeah, it's just too huge. Like the 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 armed forces are just too huge, and it's uh, it's really rare to be to be placed with uh, someone of name. But um, the idea of it is, I guess there is a factor of it that that you know makes you feel better that you're more equal. But then again, like uh, the armed, uh, I mean, the military has been around for a while. So there is a system where um, the the military actually capitalizes on these celebrity names. Like these celebrities would usually go to like um, performance oriented programs where, where they would perform for uh, festivals or for the armed forces or whatever. And they would not really be placed with uh, normal people. Okay. And a lot of the times, um, I mean, this is happening in um, decreasing rates, but uh, in many cases, famous people or people who are privileged enough would be able to find a way out of their national service. Mm. So there is a ca- weird kind of... Um, I know that, that some, yeah. some football players, if they win a tournament or they qualify yeah, to the World Cup or something. or something like that, they, they're yeah. exempt, right? Yeah, yeah, they're exempt. And... And uh, some people are, um, I mean, not some people, like a lot of us are, are like really jealous of that fact. And something that I'm often asked about is when they, when people find out about my time at the military services, they will all, always ask how, how was it, mm-hmm. right? Mostly because of their curiosity of, is it as hard as it looks? Is it, is it yeah, as yeah. bad as it sounds? All these things. Definitely. Yeah. It's, I feel like. It's one of those things that while you're there, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's long. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, you know, it's tough on, on physically, mentally, all these things. But as soon as you're done, for me personally, I don't know about you, I only remember the good times. Mm-hmm. You know, I rarely remember the hardships. Some things might, you know, uh, bring them up or it, it might you know, see or hear something that would remind me of a very specifically difficult time. But for the most part, I'm only remembering the good times, the good experiences. Right. You know, was it, is it like that for you? Um, I don't know. I don't know if um, that extra, extra... Well, I guess the time difference is also a factor. I only did it for <laughs> a year. You had to do it for 21 months. Yeah, I don't know if the, that nine months, nine extra months adds some wisdom, a layer of wisdom to it, <laughs> but I, I have no idea. But... um. Yeah, for me, I think it was, I, I will always remember it as like um, this this time of, 
uh, emotional turbulence, I mm. think. And, and for many people, I think that's the case because, again, like this goes back to the, the idea of, of what national service means to us. And for many of us, it's just this time where we're, you know, taking a break from society. And so obviously there's this idea of you want to achieve something. You want to go out and, and, and make a name for yourself. But then you have to stop for these 21 months. So, so when, when that happens, yeah, a lot goes on. A lot's going on uh, with the people around you, like uh, the people who are still outside. And you can't help but feel like you're, you're stuck in there. And, and you learn a lot and then you go through a lot. And, and yeah, I'll always remember it as, as a time where like I, I really had to like charge through what would you say are, are the most important things you learned from from your time there? Mm. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna just you know try and summarize it with two or three words, uh, very you know basic terms, what are the most important things that you've learned from your experience? Um, uh, there's a saying: um, the the clock keeps going. <laughs> in, in Korean? Yeah, yeah. What, what is it in it's, Korean? It's, it's especially in the army. Kukbang의 시계는 계속 간다. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if I said it correctly, but uh, I don't. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still about um, the clock keep on the clock keeps on going, mm-hmm. the clock keeps ticking, and the time goes on whether you know it or not, and that's meant as a as a consolation for for many, and it also means that you're running out of time as well. I guess in a sense, mm. I guess that was one of my biggest lessons that. Okay. Time keeps going. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I would ha- I would have to say that probably um, the most important thing I've learned is patience. You know, mm-hmm. um, I used I used to say I I mean I wasn't that impatient before, right. but I feel like since being there and mm-hmm. knowing how time moves, and understanding very vitally that nothing's forever. True. True. Everything passes. Yeah. And one of the, one of sort of my my personal methods of of coping with with the whole experience was the fact that I only looked forward to the next best thing, which is when when at the beginning of the week it's the weekend. I'm right. only focusing on the weekend, right? And I took it week by week, you know. And it was always like if I can make it through this week, I'll be fine. I'll be able to go home. I'll recharge, and then we'll start all over again. That's fine. A lot of people missed the point and decided to only focus on the last day of the whole experience, which mm-hmm. when you're in the first couple of months, that would be very mentally straining because every single day passes and you're like months away, <laughs> you know? And it's, a, but why are you doing this to yourself, yeah. right? Why are you allowing yourself all this mental burden when just, just past the week, past the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And even within a day, I would only look forward to the next meal. Because you do get hungry, but every, and you're like, okay, it's only about an hour till lunch. And then it's like, okay, it's just an hour till dinner. And then after dinner, it's only about an hour till sleep. So you always look for the, I always try to look for Mm -hmm. the next best thing. What's coming next that I can look forward to. And it's from hour to hour, week to week, month to month. And that's what made it a lot easier for me to handle. So I would say probably the most important thing for me to is, is patience and understanding that nothing lasts forever and you just kind of have to take it step by step. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have to obviously go back for two weeks refreshment course every mm-hmm. year 
Do, do you have that? And did you go to the refreshment course already? Um, no, I haven't been, but um, I'm going back to Korea next week and I think I'll get my letter soon. So Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I got mine. I'm, I'm going back soon for two weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been since I, I finished like you. Yeah. Um, Are you, how, how is the process? Have, it's, it's like, a, like it's called, it's a refreshment course. So they'll, they'll try and, and, and refresh all the information you, you learned and all the skills you learned. And it's just two weeks back into that, you know, fold. Um, they're more lenient towards I don't mean, returning? It's ultimately the army. <laughs> How lenient can the army get? Yeah. But it's more, it, the focus now is less of, of drilling the, uh, you know, information into you and rather than just to remind you. Okay. Right. So it's just a different approach. Um, are you? So how would you feel about going back for two weeks? Are you excited? Are you scared? Are you um, trepidatious? What's what's for going it's, on? It's not um, two weeks. Um, it's just three or four days. Okay. Um, but of course, like I don't want to set out a bad example for my country, but but we we see it as a task okay. or a chore that okay. we need to get out of the way. Mm. Uh, but. But I am be, I am trepidatious because um, I uh, I don't remember a lot of the okay. procedures, <laughs> and it'll be my first time going back. But uh, that's why they exist. They don't expect everyone to remember everything. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't have these refresher definitely periods, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 mostly looking forward to seeing all my you know. Uh, brothers in arms, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us have only seen each other two or three times since, but we've kept in, in contact. And, and since we've been told we have to go back, uh, we've, we've been talking a lot more and we've been looking forward to, you know, being together again in, in, in that space and, um, you know, seeing how far we've gone in life since that experience has mm -hmm. finished. And I feel like that's that's what I'm most excited about, of course, to to to, to be with those people, right? Um, who have gone very close to mm. uh, again. So, okay, we'll we'll finish off here by a very <laughs> candid question. But what was the thing? What was the food you craved the most? McDonald's. Okay, <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, a break that's, from Korean food. That's definitely. fair. Yeah, yeah. I mostly craved my mom's seafood cooking. Because we have a lot of seafood at home in a camp, they didn't do a lot of seafood, so I always craved it, and 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 wow. it was always the first thing I ate when I got home uh, on weekends. What kind of seafoods are we talking? Oh, everything. I mean, fish, <laughs> crab, shrimp, uh, squid, uh, mussels. Uh, yeah, we're a very seafood-heavy family, so uh, yeah. to be away from it for that long was excruciating. So it was it was, it was something I I, I really. Uh, thought about a lot. Yeah, it's, it's lunchtime and I'm getting really hungry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks this week to Faisal Sulla and Daniel Lee for sharing their stories, their memories, and their experiences. We were produced this week by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. This was Beyond the Headlines. I'm James Haynes Young. To hear all the latest episodes, click subscribe in your podcast app. And if you can take a moment to write a review, it really helps. <laughs>